0: Hi, everybody. Hello, everybody on Zoom.
1: Okay.
0: Thank you, Jim, for inviting me to talk tonight. Very much appreciate it. So the topic of tonight is kind of an introduction to mindfulness and I guess you could call a Zen approach or a Zen flavor of mindfulness, a, um, a blending of Uh, different sources, traditions, approaches, and how they've all kind of stewed together for me.
1: So, why is it beneficial to practice mindfulness? A basic question.
0: What is it about mindfulness that seems to be helpful to the challenges that we face in life? What is it about paying attention
1: to our experience in the present that seemingly
0: changes everything? I think in order to answer these questions, uh, for myself, I'd like to start with the circumstances I sometimes find myself in, which is the relationship to life that I've been conditioned to have and and sometimes actually perpetuate. One of my teachers has said that, Everyone, no matter what they are doing, is trying to find lasting peace and happiness on the inside. And on the outside, love in relation to people and beauty in relation to the world. Whether it be through activities, substances, relationships, material things, professional achievements, whatever it is that we're seeking we're, we're seeking it in hopes of fulfilling this deep yearning for lasting peace, happiness, love, and beauty. The key word being lasting, something continuous, unchanging, uninterrupted, unperturbable peace. That's a big statement that he made. It's a, it's a good statement to contemplate, though that whatever we've done in our lives, regardless of the original intention we may have thought that we had, was really in service of the search for peace and happiness. We could say that none of us would actually be here in this room tonight if that search actually succeeded. That is, if the search for lasting peace and happiness was successfully found in and through activities, Substances, relationships, states of mind. This search, by by definition, precludes or prevents the possibility of peace and happiness being present within this very moment of life. Since the search has its conclusion some other time or uh, some other
1: place. The... um,
0: I'll be happy when syndrome, if you will. Everything will be better once this project is done. Once he hits elementary school, and I have some more time, once I'm a homeowner, we all have our particular I'll be happy when requirements for life. And they change over time, especially when one of them is fulfilled and the happiness that shines forth for a brief time comes to an end. And then the search begins again. So the question then becomes, how do we find lasting, causeless peace and happiness? Another good question. Mindfulness or our ability to attend to direct experience in the present moment can begin to unfold this question of lasting peace and happiness by grounding us in the here and now. This here and now is the only time and place that we truly have to live. And therefore, is the only only place where we will find peace and happiness. Just this. This is why attending to our moment-to-moment experience is vitally important. It anchors us to the only moment that we have to truly live in. For many of us, myself included, we tend to be carried away by our planning, thinking mind into the future or reminiscing about the past with the aim of creating happiness through planning out the future or righting a wrong of the past. If only I said this to him, he would have known I was right. If only I went for that master's degree or even thinking about how this present moment itself isn't what we thought it would be, how it didn't live up to our expectations.
1: That Ben and Jerry's just didn't quite
0: hit the mark completely. So, over the next week, I invite you to take notice how often we get lost in thought as a means of trying to grasp or create a better, improved, perfect moment whether it's in the form of daydreaming, replaying memories, or simply being carried away by some random string of thoughts. This lost in thought is actually a conscious or unconscious focusing on thinking as an object. Now, I don't think this would be a bad thing if in our everyday thinking reinforced reinforced the idea that peace and happiness were not to be found elsewhere, but right here and now. Though I don't think many of us actually have that predisposition of thought. Our thoughts primarily concern how we will acquire happiness and peace sometime in the future by attaining something or ridding ourselves of something. But thinking in and of itself is not inherently bad or even problematic, but exclusive focus on a particular kind of thinking that reinforces the idea that we're not whole, that our lives are incomplete somehow, that we are not enough, and therefore this moment itself is not enough. This is what I propose can be unhelpful for finding peace in the present. And this is why, in my opinion, in the Satipatthana Sutta, the discourse on the foundations of mindfulness by the Buddha of the Pali Canon, he began the practice of mindfulness with awareness of the body. In a podcast I was listening to, I think it was from the Amaravati Monastery, from the Thai forest tradition, someone was saying that the reason why the body is such a wonderful place to rest our attention is because the body only exists in the present. For instance, no matter how distracted you are, lost in daydreaming, reminiscing, planning, you never come back to the present without your body actually being here. It's be kind of a weird experience. So, for that reason, it exists only in the present, and therefore it's a it's a wonderful grounding anchor for this body, heart, mind in the here and now. And not only does mindfulness of the body settle us in the present, but it also reveals the current state of our mind and heart. Agitation, anxiousness, anger, a short, quick breath, a tightness in the throat, the shoulders, the chest, the clenching of the jaw elation, joy, rapture, awe, a coloring of the mind on the canvas of the body. If you want to take a weather reading of how your heart and mind are doing, just deeply feel into your body in that moment. So this is where we start. This is where we
1: start our journey into the art of mindfulness. We start by befriending our body with awareness
0: allowing it to be our anchor in the here and now, by resting our attention on it. We start by allowing our faculty of attention to be fastened to the somatic experience of the body, the multiplicity and diversity of sensations that arises within our bodies, tightness, pressure, spaciousness, temperature, tingling vibration, and other sensations that don't really fit into a category or are easily definable.
1: And although
0: the body is the starting point, I think that over time it's also the culminating point, insofar that is what we eventually consider to be our true body is synonymous with what Shunryu Suzuki calls big mind or
1: dharmakaya.
0: I'd like to share with you the way I currently frame the practice of mindfulness and its relationship to big mind. And to be clear, this is a provisional understanding that is continually under revision. It's just me offering what I find helpful for myself when contemplating practice as of today. So I propose that we can categorize a practice and its purpose or, or its effects by utilizing a concept of the lens of awareness, like a camera lens. So first, we could talk about a narrowing of the lens of awareness on a particular object of experience found in the landscape. If we were looking into a camera lens with it completely opened and framing the entire landscape in front of us, we would narrow the aperture to just one part of the landscape, say a a single tree bringing into focus, and then resting our attention on the tree, rather than allowing our attention to wander all about the landscape. This is a foundational grounding practice of mindfulness, what Nyanapanakatera calls bare attention, what John Kabat-Zinn of mindfulness-based stress reduction calls focused attention practice, or simply, Buddhist terms, shamatha. I'm abiding gathering the, atten- the, the energy of attention and resting it on a particular experience in the present moment, our sit bones, the breath, the whole body, sound, thinking, whatever object, this collecting and directing of attention. When developed over time, cultivates a certain clarity and steadiness of the mind and calmness of the body because we slow down. We let go of the urge to put energy into making something happen in the next moment. We just attend to this bare fact of this sensation, this sound, this breath, this moment. Breathing in a long breath, she knows I breathe in a long breath. Breathing out a long breath. She knows I breathe out a long breath. We unplug from the habitual energy to go, go, go. Do, do, do. And we rest in one place. We abide in one place. Just being this breath,
1: this posture, this hand mudra. We transition from doing to being.
0: And this being, or abiding, has as its fruit, calmness of mind and body. Calm abiding, or abiding calm, if you will. And like a violinist honing her skills to repeatedly playing scales and arpeggios on her musical instrument, we repeatedly invite our attention back to the body, the breath, or any object within the field of awareness anything that we can rest our attention on, gradually increasing our our attention span and letting go of the wandering, judging mind habit. We decondition this habit we've built up of a scattered sense of attention by not fueling the movement of mind. We don't pursue anything. We don't try to make anything happen. We just simply rest knowingly in one place. It's like unplugging a fan. Once the energy going to the fan is taken away, it comes to rest on its own. Calmness arises by virtue of our abiding in one place rather than putting energy into the mind, seeking, resisting, and wandering habit. And not only are we deconditioning a habit of feeling distracted, scattered, unsteady, we are actively conditioning our minds as well towards the habit of attentiveness, collectiveness, steadiness, calmness, joy and peaceful presence.
1: Though the
0: practice of mindfulness shouldn't just be limited to 40 minutes on the cushion, but it can be woven into the fabric of our everyday lives simply as we rest our attention on the posture of our body.
1: Standing, sitting, walking, lying down. Exploring the elements,
0: earth, the feeling of density and the weight of the cup, air, the perception of the movement of the arm as we raise the cup towards our mouth, water, the feeling of fluidity flowing down the throat, fire, the cozy hot temperature of the morning coffee while the brisk delta air embraces your skin. If you can't tell, the contemplation of drinking coffee is pretty close to my heart right now, being a new parent, (laughs) most intimate
1: walking meditation, mindful movement, mindful breathing, communication.
0: All of these can be anchors for our attention and they provide a sense of groundedness in the moment and continuity of practice. So, as we refine our ability to attend to and remain with present moment experience, we can naturally transition to attending to experiences that are a bit more subtle. The feeling tone of a felt bodily sensation and the drive to do something about that feeling. The vague, sluggish sense that accompanies a mind state of laziness or sleepiness, and how we actually filter our experience through that mind state the dishes all of a sudden just got a bit heavier. So another purpose of the focused attention practice is to widen the selection of observable phenomena in experience from gross objects, such as the pressure of the sit bones, to more subtle elements of experience. Like the collection of ethereal-like sensations in the lower abdomen when we feel unsure of ourselves or a sense of tightness in the lower abdomen, as you're giving a practice talk. lastly, the focus attention practice lays the foundation for investigation into the nature of experience. And any investigation, whether it's into the nature of reality, or researching a particular fungus requires a degree of concentration. It's hard to examine a landscape if the lens is continually narrowing, widening, jumping from one thing to the next. So, steadying our gaze, we can experience, we can see experience clearly and ask questions about what we find in the landscape. Is it always there or does it arise and disappear? Is there a boundary to the sensation of my sit bones? Or am I projecting one onto it? Is the feeling of
1: solidity in the chest tightness as solid as it seems, or is it actually permeable like empty space? Where exactly does sound appear? And what's its substance experientially? then we can
0: widen the aperture completely, take in the entire landscape. And sometimes this practice
1: uh, is called choiceless awareness. John kabat uses it, and I think Krishnamurti uses it as well. So in the previous exercise,
0: or approach, It's as if you were closely watching one particular wave in the ocean, observing it, seeing how it moves, how it behaves in relation to other waves. With this approach, we're no longer intentionally localizing our attention to a single wave, but the movement of the entire ocean. Sometimes the wave of sound is more dominant in our experience then a wave of spaciousness in the arms,
1: then your tummy growling and a thought of dinner. We
0: open the field of our awareness to let in the entire landscape of experience, seeing, hearing, feeling, smelling, tasting, touching, imagining, memory. And even though the focused attention practice brings about a, a certain sense of calm and clarity, there's still a subtle feeling of effort being made, which isn't a bad thing, of maintaining this
1: state of concentration. Here though,
0: we let go of this type of effort to remain with a single object, giving the mind full permission to bounce around the entire landscape of experience. It's a wide lens concentration, a special effort, as Suzuki says. In the Zen mind, beginner's mind, he says, to give your sheep or cow a large, spacious meadow is the way to control him. The same works for you yourself as well. If you want to obtain perfect calmness in your zazen, you should not be bothered by the various images you find in your mind. Let them come and go. Then they will be under control. But this policy is not so easy. It sounds easy, but it requires some special effort. How to make this kind of effort is the secret of practice. We say concentration, but to concentrate your mind on something is not the true purpose of Zen. The true purpose is to see things as they are, to observe things as they are, and to let everything go as it goes. This is to put everything under control in its widest sense. Zen practice is to open up our small mind, so concentrating is just an aid to help you realize big mind, or the mind that is everything.
1: Not so easy, I agree.
0: In my own experience, cultivating concentration by Resting attention in one single place prior to opening the lens can be very helpful to make the transition from a focused attention practice to choiceless awareness. It's easy to mistake oneself for practicing choiceless awareness when really we're just allowing our mind to wander, distraction to distraction. It's easy to conflate the two. And we can fool ourselves into thinking that we're abiding as the open space of awareness but there's a, a feeling tone of observation of the entire moment, the entire landscape, including our faculty of attention kind of bouncing around from object to object. And it's the feeling tone of observation that differentiates choiceless awareness from just sitting there willy-nilly letting your mind wander. In the same way that we can focus upon a particular sensation, we can somewhat objectify and circumscribe the moment or the field of experience and observe this object called field of experience. So there is the same feeling of observation that is present when we're practicing a focused attention practice. It's just now that the object is much larger, more encompassing. And one of the effects of this approach towards practice is a letting go of control of experience being any particular way. And it was present in the focus attention practice in relationship to how the object of attention revealed itself to us on a moment-to-moment basis. Though now, we are a wide-open yes to the entirety of experience. We open up the senses completely, let everything be as it is, without intention to change or focus on any particular part of experience. And in a way, we could say that we are realigning ourselves with the natural, non-grasping nature of awareness. Another effect of widening the lens of awareness is that we begin to reconfigure our relationship to experience insofar that we begin to see all experience happening within this field of awareness. Rather than me over here and an object over there, we see that what we call life or all of objective experience appears within this wide lens of awareness.
1: Shōgaku
0: Shunryu Suzuki Daioshō says, Many sensations come, many thoughts or images arise, but they are just waves of your mind. Nothing comes from outside your mind. Usually we think of our mind as receiving impressions and experiences from outside, but that is not a true understanding of your mind. The true understanding is that the mind includes everything. When you think something comes from outside, it means only that something appears in your mind. Nothing outside yourself can cause any trouble. It's good to hear right now. You yourself make the waves in your mind. If you leave your mind as it is, it
1: will become calm. This mind is called big mind.
0: A natural dissolution of the felt sense of inside and outside can arise by seeing everything as appearing within and known by awareness. The sensation of pressure from the sit bones on the cushion appears within and is known by awareness just as immediately and intimately as the sound of traffic. Neither
1: is closer or farther from me nor is either, nor is either more or less of me.
0: The last approach, if you can call it an approach or practice, is what has been called turning the light around, or how another teacher phrases it, being aware of being aware. In reference to the camera lens, rather than attending to something in the landscape or opening to the whole landscape, we recognize the lens itself. We don't shine the light of awareness on any particular object, big or small, but allow our attention to recede back towards its source. Rather than stretching, excuse me, attention, attention from the Latin root, attendere, means literally to stretch toward. So rather than stretching outward from ourself, we allow our attention to sink back into the source of awareness. And awareness now comes into the foreground of experience, but not as an object of experience. We rest as awareness knowingly. We try to turn the light of awareness back onto itself, which is challenging and effortless simultaneously. Challenging, because if we let our awareness rest on awareness, like any other object, then by definition we have objectified into some subtle mind state and missed the mark. And effortless, because it's like asking the sun if it can shine its light on itself. The sun need not illuminate itself because it is luminosity
1: itself. And yet, It seems as though there is something it is like to be knowingly aware of being.
0: Last week in our Thursday morning study group, we read a chapter in the Vimalakirti Sutra that had as its apex Vimalakirti's thunderous lion's roar of silence in response to Manjushri's request to define the entrance into non-duality. I think he's probably turning over in his grave right now listening to me. I can almost hear his footsteps around the corner ready to challenge my every word. So with that, as an introduction to the class I'm offering, I thought it would be appropriate to leave the realm of theoretical models and I'd like to invite you all into the laboratory of experience with me. An experiential tour guide, if you will, into this framework of how you might combine these different approaches sequentially in a single sitting.
1: You all probably thought you were done with Sazen, Not on my watch. So, let's settle into the here and now. Together. finding a posture that invites a calm alertness. Grounding down through the sit
0: bones, the spine lengthening through the crown of the head. A slight tuck of the chin to elongate the back of the neck. And if you feel comfortable, I invite you to close your eyes for now, just to bring into greater focus the world of bodily sensation. Or simply soften and lower the gaze to bring the internal world
1: to the forefront of experience. Bringing our
0: shining light of attention down to the feet. Feeling deeply into the region we call feet. Maybe a sensation of contact on the floor, pressure, a release of a subtle contraction, temperature. Rather than going out to meet the sensations and making an effort to maintain it there, allow the sensation to arise within the space we call feet. It's like shining a light in the corner of a dark room and waiting to see what arises
1: within the space that's lit. Inviting an attitude of receptiveness to infuse your attention. moving up to the
0: contact points of our sit bones on the cushion or chair, allowing this space of experience to be illuminated by our receptive attention.
1: And if you notice the mind wandering, just gently but firmly bring the attention back to the sit bones. Without judgment, without self-criticism, just coming back, returning to our intention to be here, now, completely present for the only moment we have to live. Allowing the sensation that we call
0: sit bones to come close in as if you were holding it in your hands of awareness. Invite it to be palpably present right before you.
1: Moving our attention to the region we call hands. Allowing our attention to rest here. Be very specific. What can be known here? The palms, forefinger, middle finger, ring finger, pinky finger back of the hand, the entire hand.
0: Dive deeply into the experience of hands. And be sure not to be lost in thinking about the hands or overlaying an
1: image of the hands onto experience. We are interested in the sensorial experience the region we call hands. Resting our light of attention here with the same ease and lightheartedness of our body resting on the chair or cushion. light time. Now, widening the lens of attention, feel the entire body as a whole. Following me in your experience, the head, neck, and shoulders, upper arms, forearm, hands, chest, abdomen, upper back and lower back, the pelvis, hips, thighs, lower legs, and feet. Allowing the light of awareness to permeate the entire body from head to toe. as if you
0: laid a shawl of awareness over the whole body, allow the sensory experience of the whole body to emerge into the foreground
1: of your awareness. What is it? To feel the entire body completely, deeply, now. embracing the body with not only attention, but infusing your intention with love, kindness, compassion. While maintaining
0: a awareness of the body, open the lens of awareness wider to include sound,
1: subtle wind outside, the fan,
0: subtle sounds of your own body, feeling that sound appears within the same space-like presence of awareness that your sensations are appearing in. And if you feel your attention being drawn into a particular sound or sensation, just reinvite your lens of attention to widen again, to encompass
1: both sound and sensation within a single space of awareness. even going so far as to feel the sound as a subtle vibration appearing within this awareness. Opening the door to thinking,
0: allowing thoughts, images, memories to arise, flow through, and dissolve within this landscape
1: of experience. Even allowing yourself to go back and forth between thinking, feeling, hearing and seeing that they are all known within and by, the same awareness. A single space, a single knowing space. Thinking, hearing, feeling, breathing, all embraced with this wide lens view of awareness. Many waves within the ocean of mind. And retaining this wide
0: lens of awareness, If you feel comfortable, gently open the eyes a couple millimeters to allow seeing to be included into the
1: landscape of experience.
0: Observing the landscape as a whole with thinking, hearing, feeling, seeing, all taking place
1: in a single knowing space of awareness.
0: We've become aware of sensing or feeling. We've become aware of hearing, thinking, seeing. But now, rather than shining our light of awareness on any object, big or small, become aware of awareness itself.
1: Where does your attention go? In what direction does it try to turn? Allow
0: the urge to become aware of something to fade and simply abide as the presence of awareness.
1: Be aware not of something, but of the experience that you are aware rest here now being aware of being aware let Buddha be aware let Zazen sit Zazen you all for your kind attention. Any questions or comments?
0: Well done, Cody. Thank you. Um, So in the traditional um, mindfulness-based stress reduction program, they they include a um, kind of a, a body meditation like yoga or whatever. I'm curious if you included that kind of component in your program as well, and if if not, why did you not? Not to put you on the spot. I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, I think um, starting off with starting off with offering six classes traditionally the MBsR is over an eight week period. Um, you know, I'm going back and forth between uh, a sticking with MBSR as its own approach and also our Zen approach here. So it's kind of a balancing of the two and and formal sitting is something I'd like to give a little bit more attention to, but um, I'm going to include walking meditation. And then uh, I'm thinking of also including some videos to Qigong and also kind of like a, a contemplative investigation on somebody on their own time. But I think once I make the jump from six to eight classes, if I ever make that jump, um, I'd love to include a component of it. I've, I've done a yoga training myself previously, so I'd love to include yoga and Qigong, but um, I also see it as kind of an introduction to uh, uh, formal sitting, sitting meditation as well. So
1: That makes sense. Thank you.
0: Um, your class is about mindfulness, but you never really define what mindfulness was. But I guess you took us through what mindfulness was. But um, there's shamatha you talked about. Yeah. Then did we move into the vipassana stage at some point, or are we not in this tradition? Or I don't know. Where oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was a third stage. So where where did we go? With, what was the word for that? So thank you. Um I, I think my understanding, and this comes from uh, uh interpretation of the Satipatthana Sutta, that there isn't too much of a distinction, actually, from the early Buddhist um, understanding of Samatha Vipassana, one sequentially following another. They're both kind of simultaneous. So in a way, it's kind of like what we were going through earlier was for it 's a focusing, but you also you also ask questions of your experience in a way that 's vipassana uh, investigating into experience, but you can use a question which builds curiosity and curiosity naturally builds concentration as well from my point of view um, and that 's kind of my own point of view, but it's been helpful for myself to ask questions and it almost gives the mind something to do as well um, So I kind of put both of them in there in terms of um, asking questions while focusing your attention on a single space. And then the last is, um, I guess you could say a practice, but I say Zen, uh, I think it's called uh, Echo Hensho. um, and, And that is, being aware of awareness itself rather than directing it, which is, shamatha is more of a directing practice from my point of view. I
1: hope that answers your question. Thank you for your sharing. Uh, So experience, you mentioned a lot about that you just mentioned it now so contrasting your personal life before the practice and the and the uh life that you have now uh what has been your story regarding that
0: kind of like how has the practice transformed my life? In Yes. Um,
1: I feel like I don't turn away from my emotions anymore. It's a big thing for me. I can look back at my own experience of life prior to starting mindfulness meditation is, there wasn't a willingness to turn towards certain pains that I had. Um, I think that's probably
0: the biggest transformation for me is being able to look deeply into the places that I didn't think I could. I think mindfulness, uh, as my experience of it, has, as I've been practicing it over time,
1: I think I'm opening more and more to certain um, qualities that I didn't know that I had. connecting with people in ways that I didn't know I could. Uh, Specifically, you know, being able to really embrace people um, and myself. And uh, definitely a
0: gradual transformation, but, yeah. If I was to say, one thing that I've noticed that uh, has transformed for me is my ability to be with...
1: um, some painful things that I've experienced, not looking away, and and my heart opening because of it.
0: Thank you for your answer. Thank you for your question.
1: Anybody on Zoom? If if not, it's getting close to that time. Cody, could you uh, give us
0: a detailed description of your morning coffee ritual? <laughs> well, it is a pour over. And make sure the temperature is just right. Uh, how, how, hot,
1: how how hot is it? Is it to the point where if you're not
0: careful, you would burn yourself? And then you have a conversation with your coffee and it, you know, work it out? Well, I'd like it to be that hot so then I could practice mindful walking so that I don't spill it on my hand. So I do that for the first five minutes and then I take my first sip. Beautiful. It's always good to hear from you, lord. <laughs>